0: In this series of messages that we've done over the last uh, couple of few months, we've learned many things that God's Word proclaims of who believers are. We're not just one of those things, we are all of them. We learned last week that we are more than conquerors. Anyone who's a believer also needs to know that we are ambassadors We're ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. And I do everything in my power to take that seriously, because it is through His Word that you come nearer to Him. His Word, which has been established, it has been written down, and it's been contained in this book that we call the Bible. There are many other writings that are used by God's people to assist them in understanding who God is and what His Word proclaims to His people. Our duty is to beg people on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. This is part of who we are. It's what we do by proclaiming His Word. And this is why when you hear a message, typically, not always, but typically, The message that God has me prepare for the congregation that meets in this building, and very often whenever I speak anywhere else, is filled with His Word. Because my thoughts could be anything. My thoughts could come from anywhere. But if I bring you the Word of God to bear upon your soul, you're going to be filled with His Word. You're going to be strengthened by the power of His might. And that's what I want for all of you. I don't want you to say, oh, Pastor gave a nice flowery sermon. I don't want you to walk out of here feeling like you got a mouthful of cotton candy. This is going to melt. It's going to go away, and you're not going to have anything. There's going to be no substance. You've got to have substance. So as we look in the Word today, we are going to see very clearly in His Word that we are His workmanship. And what does that mean exactly? What does it mean to be His workmanship? If God makes you, and He makes you into something that He wants to use you for. He's the potter. We're the clay. The Scripture is very clear that He does the work, not us. We surrender. We yield to Him, and He does the work that He alone can do. But before we open the Word, we're going to open to the second chapter of Ephesians. We're going to begin at verse 1. If you care to look in the Bibles there in your seats, you can find that in page 17, 96, I believe. But before we we open the Word, I want us to pray. Prayer brings us into the presence of God just as praise does. Prayer brings us into the presence of God just like worship does. Father, you and I both know that I cannot do this without you. All glory belongs to you for what I'm about to speak I ask, Lord, that You would take away my infirmities, that You would erase me and proclaim Yourself through me, that I'd be used of You to bring forth Your Word. Please reform us, Lord. Revive us with Your Word. Please erase and eliminate any false teaching that we may have received, the false teaching of men or the false teaching of demons. Remove the errors and confusion that are caused by those doctrines. Make us discerners of spirits and make us discerners of truth. Help us, Father. Help us to reject anything counterfeit, because we belong to You. So we ask that You would set us apart for Your service today, that You would strengthen us in the power of Your might, that You would impart to us Your wisdom and understanding, that You would help us attend to Your Word without distraction, that You would draw us near to You, Father, and that as we draw near to you, you would draw near to us. Please cleanse our hands and purify our hearts. Overwhelm us with your Holy Spirit-filled word and make us people of love. Love for you and love for our neighbor. Please, Lord, as it's written in your word, grant to your servant that by your spirit that with all boldness I may speak your word through the name of our Lord and Savior, the one we call Jesus, Yahshua, Messiah. I pray this in His mighty and majestic name, and all of God's people said, Ephesians chapter 2, beginning at verse 1, page 1796, Ephesians chapter 2, and this is what's written there. Hear the word of the Lord. And you, He's speaking to believers. Okay, he wrote this letter under the influence of the Holy Spirit to believers. He's not speaking to unbelievers. And you he made alive This was our nature. Now, he says he made you alive, so he changed your nature. You're no longer a child of wrath. You're no longer under the bondage of sin. He made you alive because sin brings death. The wages of sin is death. But God, almighty God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved. His work, not yours. And raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, Yahshua, the Messiah that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ. For by grace you've been saved through faith. Now, do you hear that twice? There's the testimony of two witnesses right in this passage of Scripture. It's by grace that you've been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We can't boast of our works bringing us salvation, but He created us to do good work. His Word says so. Let's pray. Father, we ask that You would add Your blessing to the reading and hearing of Your Word. We trust, Lord God, that we will stay true to it, as we proceed in the message that I believe your Spirit has given to me to deliver here to this congregation of people today. Those who might join us online later through the audio recording and those who are with us now on Facebook and those who will be later. I pray this in Christ's name and all of God's people said. You know, the beginning and the end of this text provide a powerful revelation. You are alive. You are alive. You are back from spiritual death. You are alive. Spiritually, you were dead in sin and trespasses, and He worked you, reworked you, reformed you, and made you alive through the work of Christ. You've been born again in Christ. And unless one is born again, it's written in John chapter 3, unless one is born again, our Lord said, You cannot see the kingdom. You won't see it. It matters not what your sins were. It matters not what your trespasses were. He made you alive. He brought you out of those things. You don't continue to operate in them. You came out of them. You've been set free from them. He made you alive. Even when we were dead in trespasses, it's written in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 5 and 6, God made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you've been saved, and we have to stress that. Because later on in the text, he says, and you've been created for good works. And some people confuse the doing of the good works with the doing that God has done in bringing salvation. We have to be careful with that. He made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So we're here, and yet we're there. We're here, and yet we're there. And that's a hard concept for us to grasp, because we don't have the experience of being there. We don't see everything. Like, every day, we're not walking around with the heavenly visions. But we're there in Christ. You're alive in Christ. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17, it is written, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, see the operative word there, in Christ, not outside of Christ, in Christ. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Does it say some things have become new? Some things except for that one little sin that I really enjoy and I don't want to let go of? No, it doesn't say that. It says all things have become new. And in Colossians chapter 2, Hear what's written there. And you, being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, He has made alive together with Him, having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against you. It was contrary to us. And He's taken it out of the way and uh, having nailed it to the cross. We are His workmanship. And it's the physical manifestation of the spiritual work that he did and the spiritual work that he does in us is revealed in our physical person because we're no longer the way that we were. People recognize a difference in us, or at least they should. There should be some difference because he's cleaned us up. He's changed us. He's reformed us. We're his workmanship, and he did the spiritual transformation that gave us new life. And this is also a sign of what will happen when Christ returns. That transformation is going to happen physically. We're going to see the transformation take place. It's written that he said, Most assuredly I say to you, this is from John chapter 5, verse 25, the hour is coming and now is. In other words, it's on its way. The hour's coming when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. And do you know whenever He rose from the grave, the graves were open, and the saints who had passed on came out of those graves? And I've often commented about that. Can you imagine the people in the graveyard that were born again, awaking and coming out of the graves? Hey, everybody, how are you doing? Oh, things have really changed here since I was here. And he said this, Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth. Those who have done good, that's great, to the resurrection of life, but those who have done evil, to the resurrection of condemnation. He says, there is a difference. How you live makes a difference. See, there are those who are born again who continue in sin. They've been brought anew, at least apparently. They've been brought anew, but yet they continue to live in sin. And they say, Well, I can't give it up because I was born this way. I say, Wait a minute. That's not what the scripture says. The scripture says, You are all things are all, all things are new. This should have been, whatever the sin is, it should have been erased by the born again experience because you've been reformed by Christ. So everything. In your life, that is outside of the parameters for what God has laid out for living, is something that He will erase. And if He's working on it, as Buddy brought the word today, then you've got to let it go. That's the goal, see, because He's doing the work. The spiritual life that you've received extends beyond this life, it goes into eternity. It goes into eternity. You're alive forevermore in Christ. Forever you are alive in Christ. But remember Noah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Remember Noah and those who were on the, the boat that it took him 120 years to build? They were saved with him on that ark. They were saved from the raging flood as long as they stayed on the ark, as long as they stayed in that boat. They were saved from that flood. Could they have jumped ship? Can anybody tell me they couldn't jump ship? Were they chained in there? They were there of their own free will. They came in, God shut the door, boom, nobody else was getting in. Could they have left the safety of that ark that had saved them? Sure, they could have. There's nobody can argue that they wouldn't have been able to get out of that ship somehow. They'd have found a way if they wanted to get off. Facing the prospect of being alive after everybody you know has gone, it might have been a bleak prospect to be thinking about while you're hearing people screaming till they drown. Somebody once told me, oh, no, God wouldn't let them hear that. I said, well, you know what? I think he would. I think he would let them hear that. I think he'd allow them to hear that so that they would never want to go back to that again. But why would they want to? Why would they want to jump ship? Why would they want to get out of the ark that had saved them? Why would they want to leave the safety of that ark? They wouldn't. obvious they wouldn't. And there's nothing that anybody can say to convince me that somehow it doesn't mean what it says as we go through the Word of God. Because you've been reborn. You've been remade. You're God's workmanship. You've been transformed. You've been changed. You've been made new. So why would you want to go back? There's no amount of word trickery or manipulation that can convince me otherwise. You have a choice because you have free will. You can choose to jump back into the world and do everything that the world has to offer. And I'm living proof because I did it once. I came to the Lord at a young age and I started preaching on the streets in Pittsburgh I won't go into the whole testimony there, but I left the Lord after a couple of years, and I ran from Him for a very long time, and I messed my life up, and I messed my body up. I messed a lot of things up, and I live with the consequences of that sin. It doesn't go away, folks, but I'll tell you this. God brought me back, and I'm not going to jump ship again, and I hope that none of you ever do. I pray that you don't because it's not a good place to be. As God's workmanship, it's written in Ephesians 2.10 that we're created in Christ Jesus for good works. In other words, we're going to eliminate that sin from our lives because God's doing that work on us. He's pointing it out. Hey, give that up. You don't need that. Let that go. Get away from that. Run from that. Whatever it is. And as Buddy said, he didn't know what I was preaching today. We did not discuss this at all. He didn't see my notes. There was no discussion of it. The only one that had my scriptures was Tony, so she could put them up on the screen for you all. Amen. He prepared good works beforehand that we should walk in them. We should live by His Word as God's workmanship. He planned for us to accomplish good works and live our lives the way that he wanted us to live, not jump ship. He's the Ark of the Covenant, Christ our Lord. He's got you safely in his care. No matter what the storm looks like around you in your life, he's got you. Even if it doesn't look like he has you, he has you. Now, if you've got sin in your life, sometimes he'll walk away, let you be right where you are, and you'll have to deal with it. But you're His workmanship. And sometimes He'll allow you to get yourself into trouble, because I've been there too, I'll tell you right now. It'll let you get yourself in trouble so you realize that He's the only way out. And this is His work manifesting in us by His Holy Spirit. He works on us from within to cleanse us, and we simply need to surrender. We need to yield to Him. Yes, Lord, take me, use me. I don't want to do me anymore. I want to do you, all you, all the time. It's easy for us to decide what we're going to do because we still have free will. And there are those who say that, no, you don't. And I say, God's Word makes it clear we do. I'm not even going to go down that path. Christ began a good work in us, and by His Holy Spirit, He maintains that work. He maintains it because we are His workmanship. We're to do what He wants us to do. And that simply means surrender. Give up. Yield to Him. Allow Him to work with you. Allow Him to use you. Allow Him to speak through you if necessary as yours truly is being used right now in front of you to speak the Word of God. He continually reveals His workmanship that He maintains in you. He continually reveals it. He's going to show you. You're going to have those aha moments like, wow, I wonder why I don't want that anymore. Because the Holy Spirit's wiping it out of you. You give it up. Hey, I don't want this anymore. And he, gone. He began that work, and he'll continue that work. It's his work. We're his workmanship. As Paul wrote to the Philippians under the influence of the Holy Spirit, as you've always obeyed, he's writing to these people in Philippi. This was a church. This was a group of people. We call it a church. It wasn't a building. He wasn't writing to a building. He's writing to the church, the people. As you've always obeyed, not as in my presence only, in other words, not just when I'm there, but even when I'm not, he said, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. God prepared you to do good work, and part of that is working out your salvation. He saves. You're working because that's what he wants you to do. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. God wants you to do that work. He wants you to work it out. So what does workmanship mean? Well, Webster's 1828 Dictionary defines workmanship as that which is effected or done, performed, accomplished, made, or produced. He produces salvation, and he gives us that free gift. Each and every one of us are his workmanship. We are given the ability to change from what we once were to what he wants us to be. We're his workmanship. It's a noun that can be used to describe the hard work and skill that went into making something. Christ gave his earthly life. He endured great suffering. It was by his suffering that we were reworked, reformed, remade. That's his workmanship. It's a difficult task that he accomplished to make you alive again. He did that. He did it. And workmanship can also describe the quality of something that's skillfully crafted by hand. And when I read that, I thought, His hands crafted our salvation when He was nailed to that Roman cross. Let that sink in. He made us alive by His work that He did on that cross as He labored in great pain. Think about being born and labor. He labored in great pain so that we might be born again, anew, afresh. That He could rework us. He could reform us. He could take us out of the darkness and bring us into the light, that majestic light of Almighty God where no darkness can dwell. You reveal to the world the work that He did to take you from death in sin to life in the Holy Spirit. You are the revelation of His workmanship. You show the work that He did in you to the rest of the world as an ambassador for Christ. Begging others, come, join me. Let's do this together. If you love somebody and they're in danger... Do you just ignore it? Do you just let them stay in danger? Do you just turn a a blind eye to it? Well, you know, that's where they want to be. They're in danger. They just want to be there, so I've got to let them there. Or do you try to guide them, nurture them, lead them out of that danger? See, there's an eternal danger that Scripture presents that most people don't like to think about or talk about anymore, but it's a very real danger. There's a place that's called hell. And God has made that place for those angels, the one we call the devil, Satan, the dragon, that old serpent of old. He made that place for them as a place of condemnation where they would live forever. There are some who believe that uh, the the place of death, it's it's an eternal death. It's an eternal dying it's not eternal that where you die and you're over. It's over, because the Word makes it clear, and Christ Himself gives us the picture of this ongoing suffering. And this is something that I don't want for anyone. I want every single person who hears my voice to know that they have hope. They can come out of that darkness and into the light. They can be saved from that damnation because it wasn't meant for them anyway. We need to be people of God who are those ambassadors that are drawing others out of that place where they happen to exist, which is outside of the will of God, so that they too can be reworked, they too can be His workmanship. This is our job. It's part of our role as believers. We're not just, oh, I got saved and I can go live my life any way I choose. No, He makes it clear where to do something. We have good works to do, and part of those good works... Is exactly what he says. Go out and tell the world about me. This thing's getting stuck or hung up or something. There we go. Praise the Lord. If you're going to be reworked, if you're going to be reborn, then you have some work to do. His word makes that clear. You were created. You were reworked to do that work. That's part of the purpose. It wasn't just for you. It's not just for you to get what he has to offer, that free gift of salvation. It's for you to offer that to others. That's how the kingdom has grown exponentially. And the Scripture shows us very clearly there are times when thousands of people came into the kingdom. Thousands. And they were baptized in one day. Okay? Imagine that. But think about this too. We are members of his body, of his flesh and of his bones. It's written in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 30. We are members of his body. Parts of his body. Members sounds like you know, you got to sign a list or something, put your name down. No, no. You're a part of his body. You're a part of the body of Christ. A living part, a working part. You're not working towards salvation, you're working out of it. You've been saved, you've been made new, you've been reworked. You're His workmanship, and part of what you do is draw others into His kingdom so that they too can experience what you're experiencing. Everlasting life, beginning here. Members of His body, of His flesh and His bones. Who are you? You are living parts of the body of Christ. You're living, alive, alive members of his body. And in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 25, it is written, Therefore, putting away lying, let each of you, each one of you, speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Members of one another? Seriously? Who are you? You're members of each other. You're parts. You're connected through Christ. So, deal honestly with each other. That's part of the work that we do. Doesn't matter if you were born a thief. Doesn't matter if you were born a liar. Doesn't matter how you were born, what sin you were born in. You put that away. That's what he says. And we are the circumcision, it's written in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 3, who worship God in the Spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. Who are you? The circumcision. What does that mean, pastor? The Hebrew people were chosen by God. They're called as a, as, a, as a name, the circumcision. And you've been grafted in. In fact, let's look at another passage of Scripture because we are grafted into His chosen people. In fact, when Israel rejected God in Hebrew, or excuse me, Romans chapter 11 and verse 15, it tells us very clearly that everyone else was able to turn to God whenever they rejected Christ. In Romans 11:16 Paul speaks of holiness in offering a part of a dough to God as an offering, to giving this to God. He says it makes the whole lump of dough holy. You give a part to God and the rest of it is made holy. This is a picture of us giving of our substance, whatever it is that God gives us, we give a piece back. You don't ask for the whole thing, just ask for a piece. We give it to him. Then he speaks of the roots and branches of a tree, an olive tree, as a metaphor to describe the body of Christ. Hear what's written in Romans chapter 11, verses 17 to 24, because they give the clearest description, or at least one of the clearest descriptions of, of God's workmanship in remaking his people. If some of the branches were broken off, and you, being a wild olive tree, wild branches, were grafted in among them, and with them became a partaker of the root and fatness of the olive tree, do not boast against the branches. Let me pause there for a moment. You know, when myself and my wife and, a, and another brother were planting trees, we were planting trees that had been grafted onto stock. And the, the, the cultivated trees were grafted onto maybe non-cultivated And what you get is the cultivated fruit, even though the root is not the same. See, this is what he's talking about here. He's talking about us being grafted in, and what comes through us is that nourishment from all those years of God's people being God's people. We get the benefit. But he says, don't boast. Oh, he said, don't boast against those branches. But if you do boast, remember that you do not support the root, but the root supports you. You'll say, then, branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. And he says, well said. Yeah, those branches were broken off and you were grafted in. But because of unbelief, they were broken off, and you stand by faith. Do not be haughty, but fear. Fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, he may not spare you either. I going to jump ship? Therefore, consider the goodness and severity of God on those who fell, severity. but toward you, goodness, if is that up there? If thou continue in his goodness, otherwise thou shalt also be cut off. If. If you continue to allow him to work on you, if you continue to be his workmanship, if you continue, what's on the other side of the if? If you continue in his goodness, otherwise you also, does it say could, might, what's it say? Uh, Shall? Shall? Will, yeah, will be cut off. And they also, if they do not continue in unbelief, will be grafted in. There's a picture of the future, what's coming. For God is able to graft them in again. For if you were cut out of the olive tree, which is wild by nature, and were grafted contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these who are natural branches be grafted into their own olive tree? He says they're coming back. They're coming back, okay? The Hebrew people are going to turn to God through Christ. They're going to be, can I say the word, reworked? They're going to be His workmanship. Look for that day, because that day precedes the coming of our Lord. But being his workmanship hasn't received your, f- removed, excuse me, hasn't removed your free will. Did God take your free will away? Well, now you're mine. That's it. No more free will for you. I don't want you to go bad again. I saw an image one time of rotten fruit, literally rotten fruit. And the caption said, good fruit gone bad. This is what happens with believers whenever they turn against the one true, almighty, sovereign God. It hasn't eliminated your personal responsibility to honor God either. It hasn't eliminated your personal responsibility to live as He prepared for you to live out your days here. He hasn't cleaned you up to send you back into the world to become who you want to be. He cleaned you up and reworked you, made you His workmanship so that you would go out into the world and do what He wants you to do. There's few that want to preach that anymore. People might leave the building, might not come in. It's written in 2 Corinthians chapter 13 in verse 5. Examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless, indeed, you are disqualified. It's too... Many people that are saying you can do whatever you want, I'm saying no. The Word says no. I've got to go with what the Word says. You can't do anything you want. If you were made His workmanship, then you need to do what He wants you to do. That's what He says. That's what His Word says. And if you don't like His Word, then you've got to question whether or not you truly are walking with Him. Because His Word is true and everyone else is a liar. And that's a fact. And this is why I've got to stick to His Word, because I could tell you anything. I could say whatever I want. I could get you to believe whatever I want you to believe. And God has given me, by His grace, the ability to speak somewhat well enough to be able to stand in front of this room and give you what it is that He wants me to give you. And so here it is. He wants you to walk His path. He wants you to be His people. He has reworked you for His purposes. He wants you to do what He wants you to do. And all you have to do is say, God, I give up. I want you to do what you want through me. Examine yourselves. In Romans fourteen eight, it's written, For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. We belong to Him. He's bought us. He paid a price for us, and it was through Christ that He paid that price. And we simply need to say thank you by living our lives the way that He wants us to live. In John chapter 8, Our Lord said to those Jews that believed in Him, If you abide... What's that word abide mean? Remain. If you remain in my word, you are my disciples indeed. If what? If you remain. Well, what happens if you don't remain? Well, let's see. If you, if you know a little bit about the English language, if there's an if in there, if you do this, then this. If you don't do this, then that. If you remain, if you abide, then you are my disciples. So who are you? You're his disciples. You are his disciples. It's not just those 12 guys he was running around with when he was here. You are his disciples. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And this was his teaching. When they asked him, What's the greatest commandment of all? He says, Love God completely. My paraphrase, a little longer than that, but essentially, love God completely. And then and he said, well, What's the second? He said, Love others as yourself. You know, I was, I think John was there. Somebody accused me of being too loving. Somebody accused me of being too compassionate, too caring, too forgiving. I was, I was like, That was making my head shake. I'm like, What? I, 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 I'm doing what God's Word says to do, I'm living out the gospel. They didn't comprehend how that was played out in real life. You are my disciples if you have love for one another. And he says, you are my friends if you do whatever I command you. You are my friends. So who are you? You are his friends. You are friends of Christ. What a friend we have in Jesus. Amen. Amen. He's our friend. If. Oh, why's that word got to be in there? If, 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 if. If you do whatever I command you. And then it's written in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. You are the body of Christ. You've been reworked from being not a part of the body. You You were part of the body of the world. Now you're a part of the body of Christ. If. If, he says, you do what he says. You're individual members, and yet you are part of the collective. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who, according to his abundant mercy... and this is written in 1 Peter chapter 1. See, we could say, well, that was all Paul's writings. Well, let's hear what Peter had to say. Peter was one of the guys that denied Christ three times. He had to be restored. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who, according to His abundant mercy, has begotten us again to a living hope. You've been begotten again to a living hope through the resurrection of Yahshua Messiah, from the dead, to an inheritance that's incorruptible and undefiled and does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith, For salvation, it's ready to be revealed in the last time. See, you're saved from your sin. You're saved while you're here. But you're going to be saved when you get there. You're going to be saved from the wrath to come. In 1 Peter chapter 1, And verse 22 and 23 is where we hear this. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God which lives and abides forever. He does the work. He does the work. And He's reworking you even now as you hear His Word. His Word is penetrating into your very soul. His Word is what does the work right here, right now, in conjunction with His Holy Spirit. His Word is working on you right now. He is making you His workmanship. You've obeyed the truth through the Spirit. He reworks you according to His power which He worked through Christ. In Ephesians chapter 1, it's written, And what is the exceeding greatness of His power toward us who believe? According to the working of His mighty power, which He worked in Christ, when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that's named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. It's His power. It's His might. He does the work. We simply surrender. As I wrap this up, I want to ask you a question. If the creator of the universe made you alive, can any other created being make you dead? Can any other created being override his work in you? Can the enemy of souls undo God's power which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead? Can't change that. It's written, we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. The enemy can't do that. He can't make you do anything. He can't push you overboard, shove you out of the ark. He doesn't have that power. He doesn't have that authority. He's not allowed to do that. God doesn't want you to jump ship either. And He'll do everything in His power to stop you from going overboard. He will, even chastising you. You know, sometimes the shepherd has to break the leg of the sheep to keep it from running off. Sometimes. Metaphorically speaking, I've had a broken leg or two. I was running from God. Three major traumatic events could have taken me out of here. God said, nope, everything but kill him. That's what he told Job, isn't it? And Job wasn't a sinner at that time. He was righteous. He was a righteous man. And God said, you can do anything but kill him to the devil. He gave him permission. And God will give him permission to beat you up too. Mark my words, I've lived it. You don't want to wander off. As you continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, let the Savior of your soul continue to rework you surrender give up throw up the white flag i had a white flag one time i think and i raised it up let the savior of your soul continue the good work that he's begun in you because he alone is the author and finisher of our faith behold now is the accepted time now is the day of salvation. And if there's anybody here, anybody, and maybe you're not sure, maybe you're not certain that you've been reworked or that you're being reworked, I'd want you to come up here and we'll pray for you. And you know, our Lord said, if you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you when I stand before my Father. We certainly don't want Him to be ashamed of anybody that's in this room. Because if there's something that's standing between you and God, you've got to get rid of it. He'll do the work. All you've got to do is say, Here. He'll take it. Doesn't matter what the burden is. Doesn't matter how heavy it is. Doesn't matter what's wrong. Doesn't matter where you are. Doesn't matter what your trespasses are. Doesn't matter what your sins are. He can erase them. He can make you whiter than snow. Whiter than snow. Yes, whiter than snow. Lord, wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Amen. And it's His work that does that. Let's pray. Father, we thank You. You've gathered us here, Lord, to hear from Your Word. I trust, Father, that You have assisted me in the delivery of Your Word. If there's anything I've misspoken, Father, I apologize first. I know that that can happen. Lord, I ask that You would penetrate the hearts of the men and women in this building. That each one would recognize that you are the one that does the work in all of us. That as we are re- being reworked by you, we would be able to proclaim to the world that we are your workmanship in Christ Jesus. I pray this all in Christ's name and all of God's people said, Amen. 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 All right, we have a closing song in Christ alone. Amen. Amen. Oh, right, we want to receive an offering, I guess. Yeah, everybody's reminding me. I'm sorry, I don't think of that. Yeah, I'm a volunteer. For those of you who don't know, I am a volunteer here, and if you'd like to make a gift to help us to continue to live and do what we do, then you may do that and just designate it toward us. And we're also, um, I think, if you all don't mind, I'm going to ask, George and Debbie aren't here today today. But uh George has uh, come up with this idea that we need to expand the parking lot. I agree because uh, when we get filled up it's tough for parking especially when we do the giveaways. And so George has contributed $1000 toward our um uh expansion and we need about 3 3500 something like that. My wife and I are going to contribute, and anybody else that would like to, and to give you an opportunity to do that. I'll put all the materials on my uh, credit card, and the guy who's doing the work, you saw the big machine in the parking lot, he's doing it for free. This is just for materials. We're not paying labor to anybody. We're just needing material money. So if you have something to contribute, or if you'd like to, in the next couple of weeks, we'd like to get that collected. So we'll give you another opportunity next week. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you would guide us in our giving, that it would be sufficient to meet the needs here and beyond. And we pray this all in Christ's name, and all of God's people said, Amen.